everybody, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. Daryl Grove is not with me in studio today, so instead I'm going to be speaking to the Athletics Felipe Cardenas. Uh, we're going to be discussing the Gold Cup and Copa America, uh, as we have done previously. But we go deep on what Mexico have done so far, how they've managed to make it to the final, uh, how they managed to get past a very talented Haiti team, and what we should expect from Haiti going forward. Uh, and then we look at Copa America. Brazil eliminated Argentina last night, so discussions on maybe what happened there, how Brazil were able to get that done, and maybe where Argentina are as a a national team right now. It's not as bad as you would expect, but it's probably also not as good as it should be. Uh, And then we look ahead to some possible combinations in the final, what Felipe expects there. Uh, So lots and lots of different topics discussed. We somehow get into uh, Bolivia and why they aren't as good as many other uh, Copa America sides. Uh, It's it's a lot going on. Felipe has many, many answers to many, many things, uh, and he was game to answer most of my slightly rambling questions. So uh, with that in mind, I will just turn it over to me asking slightly rambling questions and Felipe answering them perfectly. With me now, once again, I've got the Athletics Felipe Cardenas. Uh, I've been struggling to pronounce it, I think, this entire competition. Hopefully a little bit better that time. Felipe, thank you, as always, for taking the time to uh, talk to me today. Uh, My pleasure. You nailed it. (laughs) There we go. All right. Got it. Off to a good start. We'll see if I keep it going. Uh, because I want to talk uh, El Tri up front. Uh, you've been covering uh, Mexico for The Athletic. And then you've basically been covering Copa America, I guess, for yourself and for the Total Soccer Show? Of course. Yeah, that's how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. A little that. psychic. Um, so Mexico needed penalties to get past Costa Rica. Uh, then they left it very late against Haiti with a somewhat controversial penalty call in there as well. Uh, is this Mexico struggling or is this Mexico maybe coming up against stiffer opposition uh, than maybe the United States has so far? A little of both. I think there's there's like the, the knockout phase portion of a competition where – you know, even the best teams in the world uh, can can struggle when 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 they know that the margin for error is is nil. Uh, there, there's really no uh, whether the underdog is, is out overmatched. Like e- either team can advance, so I think the nerves are, are heightened a bit. Uh, but Mexico is definitely struggling to finish in front of goal. They just have not been clinical. Uh, at all, you know, really, and ever since the Cuba match where they put seven past Cuba, um, and and that's been a talking point. Uh, to, to your point, uh, throughout the the group stage, uh, in, in post game press conferences, uh, that has been a question that Tata Martino has had to field. It's been a question that the players have answered in the mix zone, like what, it, why hasn't this team been as convincing in front of goal? Uh, and the answers vary. I think Tata will say that he'll agree. He'll say we have not been clinical. Uh, he, he said after Martinique that had we been clinical in front of goal, we would be having a totally different conversation. Uh, we wouldn't be talking about the team struggling to put a team away, et cetera. Uh, and, and the players um, in the mix zone, when they've been asked that question, you know, they, I think they've been honest. Uh, some of them have given kind of obvious answers, but Rodolfo Pizarro, for instance, said uh, that, they, that he, said, he thinks sometimes they've been a little bit overconfident in front of goal, uh, That, but it's a matter of time. Like the, the chances are being created. And I would agree with them. I think even yet last night, even though Haiti uh, tactically was, was, was very good, very disciplined, and obviously well-drilled in, in how to face and, and match up against Mexico, uh, you know, Mexico owned and dominated the game. They, they to control the ball, uh, like individually players on the ball, I felt looked very sharp, uh, very technically clean, but it's when they get to that final third, 
uh, I, I feel like that's where the attack begins to fall apart where, and it's kind of like elementary things where instead of, you know, sending a cross in high when, when, when guys are crashing near post and, and, and some of your midfielders aren't, you know, even over five, eight, five, nine, uh, you know, send, send those balls, send what they call the Latin cross, which is kind of like that death cross, 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 you know, from yeah. kind of like the, on the ground across the, the front of the goal, like a tap in the deflection, those types of things. Uh, they, they just weren't doing like, they'll get the great buildup. They'll isolate their wingers, uh, their wing backs or, or last night when Atuna came on, he was very effective, but it's that final ball. So that, that was, that's definitely something that, that they'll take into consideration. I know yesterday in, in the post game press conference, Tata obviously did not speak to the media because he was suspended. So right. he was not allowed to, uh, but his chief assistant, uh, Jorge Tyler, who, who has been with him, uh, you know, from their days in, in, in Newell's, they were teammates as players. And obviously he was here with him in Atlanta, uh, answered the question again, because it came up and said, uh, he agreed. Yes, we have not been clinical, but it's just a matter of time before those chances start to go in. Um, clarification there. Is it really called the death ball? Cause I really want it to be called that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I know that I've heard of the Latin cross mm-hmm. um, in, in Spanish. Sometimes they call it like I translated it literally like the death cross. It's like la pase de la muerte because it's like you're done. Like as soon as that the defense is done, that ball goes through. And you know what happens? Like the, the goalkeeper freezes, you know, they get stuck to their line. Yeah. Uh, defenders kind of just like stand like statues. So it's like. Yeah, in, in South America, it's it's. I, I would translate it to the death cross. We I'm can, using that forever. That. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you talked a little bit about the uh, attack for Mexico uh, after their three-two win over Martinique. Uh, Martino uh, spoke about defensive distractions. Since then, they've conceded mm-hmm. what one goal, two knockout round games, both of which went to extra time. What do you think explains the change there to Mexico's defense? They've sharpened up, sharpened up for sure, especially on dead balls. I think that was um, where Martinique took advantage too. Uh, they they created chances in front of goal or in fouls in dangerous situations. You know, scored on a an amazing you know, free kick golazo against Mexico, and then uh, scored on kind of like a deflection off a corner where guys were just not in position and, and didn't get to the to that second ball. So they, they look a lot more. Uh, aware of those situations and and even you know defensively i think even the mexican press and the guys that are following the team the men and women that follow the team will say that 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 is a work in progress uh, i think he's tata martino is still trying to figure out who his best center back pairing is uh is it hector moreno and nestor araujo uh which i think he, moving forward that'll probably be it or does he continue to give carlos Acedo, who you know had a great world cup in 2014 um, has his form has been kind of inconsistent this season, uh, and he didn't start in the Gold Cup. He 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 wasn't the the go-to center back for for Mexico, but he is now in the late stage of the tournament. And so the, the distractions I think have been limited. I think they've shored that up. They look very good. Oh, well, I wouldn't say very good, but they look definitely more disciplined on on set pieces. I think where they look vulnerable, and and it was clear to see. Uh, and again, this is a staple of, of, of Tata Martino's system is that they are, they will be caught one V one. Those, those center backs will be caught one V one with uh, on a counter attack alone with a forward. Um, and, and they're going to have to get back. And I think you know, that that was seen constantly last night. It got to the point where the center backs weren't building play in, in Hades uh, half of the field anymore. I, I think out of, 
let's just say it out of fear of getting caught. And so, uh, and that, that'll continue to happen. I think what a Mexican national team fan can, can feel good about is that the team is, is, is selling out to get back on defense because they know, they know they're going to get forward. I think the, you know, the wingbacks are going to be in the, on, in the opposing uh, half of the field, they're going to be in the box. And if there's a turnover, you know, they, you know the guys literally have to sell out and sprint back. And, and that's what I've been seeing. Uh, they were, uh, they were lucky though. Haiti had some very dangerous counterattacks that uh, they just, you know, could not finish. It was that, again, the final ball from them also uh, was really lacking last night. Uh, but that's something that I'm sure, if, you know, future opponents will look to as something that they can expose. Uh, then there was some debate as well from last night's game about the penalty on Raul Jimenez. Uh, Every Brazil, it seems, or Brazil, excuse me, uh, kicks the foot in the what second minute of extra time. Uh, would you say that was a penalty when you were watching it? What did you think? I didn't think it was a penalty. Really, I was like, "What? What just happened?" Yeah, like it, it, I wasn't sure. I thought it was a handball I, when it, when it happened in the moment because mm-hmm. the ball kind of like bounced up. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, Jimenez was, was really tight to the defender. The guy was on his back, um, but I didn't see contact. Uh, so even after the replays, um, I, I think it's a, a really soft penalty, really soft, uh, by the, you know, the rules of, of the game. Yeah. Contact in the box. It was a high foot. Uh, and, and you can make that call, but, uh, harsh, very harsh on Haiti for sure. Uh, uh, earlier, I think uh, Sato Martino talked about how this tournament needs VAR, how it, it should have had it, how Copa America has it, so Gold Cup should as well. Do you think this is a case where maybe he's happy that VAR wasn't there for the Gold Cup? <laughs> for sure, for <laughs> sure. You know, it's it's kind of like how happy I was with all the VAR calls in Chile, Colombia. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah. Uh, My poor yeah. friend. But My I mean, but listen. Uh, oh, I know. I know. But, but I'm one of those guys who like I will. I'll talk trash about VAR because of the, you know, what it does to the essence of the game and the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, the celebrations are, are delayed and things like that. But, uh, you know, when, when it corrects, when it makes the, the right call and it's kind of correcting or course correcting, uh, um, you know, offset an offside or handball or something like that, like you can, you can see why VAR is important to the game. Uh, last night, I can guarantee that, 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 penalty would have gone to VAR and, and you know what perhaps it still would have you know been a penalty uh, but but that's where that's where the human factor enters in and the, the referee is looking at the monitor he's listening to to the, the VAR technicians and they're telling him you know, what they think and then he has to make a determination so last night it was and even the penalty that Mexico conceded against Costa Rica which you know I, I don't think was a penalty I think Chaka Rodriguez really did poke that ball a ball away from Joel Campbell uh, and so did the universe, you know, going back to, to, to lost, did the, did the universe course correct for Mexico last night? Because they were, you could argue harshly undone by that PK against Costa Rica. And then yesterday, you know, perhaps justice was served. All right. All right. I like justice being served. Uh, but I do want to also give a moment to uh, credit Haiti uh, because I have not watched as yeah. much of them in this competition. I watched, obviously, uh, Mexico-Haiti last night. Um, but, like, we've seen Curacao uh, go kind of 
at the United States and cause problems. They seem like a team that's going to be problematic for uh, for CONCACAF teams going forward. Jamaica seem resurgent as well. They seem like they've reloaded and should be back uh, like near the top of CONCACAF. W- where would you put Haiti on that list from what you saw from what you've seen of them this competition? Do you think this was like just a very strong tournament, uh, or do you think we'll continue to see Haiti strengthening and getting uh, better in future tournaments? Well, I think it's it's a, a wait and see for for Haiti, but I certainly think that they've earned the respect of the region. Mm-hmm. And so, when we get to you know World Cup qualifying, no one is going to look over Haiti. There's going to be a concern um, on uh, like tactically how how they play. Uh, you know, teams are going to know that they will uh, that they, they press high, that they can press high for 120 minutes if, if they have to. Uh, that they are fearless in the attack. You know, I think that was one of the things that was so refreshing to see is that they'll shoot from anywhere. Uh, and, and, and that as a defender, uh, can, can really make you backpedal or, or question and, and yeah. or, or really think that like, no matter what we do, no matter how good our plan is and, and quickly, you know, Tati Martino has spoken about like his plan A and how important it is that like, don't ask me about a plan B or a plan C as far as tactics go. We're trying to perfect our plan A, but last night I felt that, you know, Haiti's plan A worked extremely well. Um, from, from literally from minute one to minute 120, they were in that game and, and they never broke free of, of the plan of pressing high, staying compact in the midfield, uh, knowing when to press and counter press and just selling out uh, defensively. And obviously you need a goalkeeper to have one of those types of performances mm-hmm. like he had last night. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think this may, this puts Haiti automatically into like a top five of CONCACAF though. I think there are still teams mm-hmm. um, that, that, that are, that are stronger, that, that historically uh, can compete at a, at a high level, you know, with the United States, with Mexico, with Costa Rica, and, you know, look at Jamaica. Jamaica is always going to be one of those difficult te- teams to play in CONCACAF. Uh, you know, but maybe Haiti becomes that team like a Trinidad and Tobago, you know, a team that is, is difficult to play with no matter where you are. Like, you're not sure what you're going to get when you need to when you need to travel to Haiti. You know, it's going to be a difficult match. The conditions will be will be against you. Uh, and now they have players that obviously have earned a lot of confidence in this tournament. They're experienced players. Uh, and who knows if this tournament will open doors for those players to get more opportunities uh, in, in, in stronger leagues, including MLS, where then that in turn, you know, like MLS has done for other CONCACAF nations, strengthened their national teams. And so maybe Haiti is next along the line of, of becoming one of those teams that can get players in more competitive leagues uh, and then p- continuing to develop their national team. All right, so w- warning shots from Haiti, uh, a country to like, keep an eye yeah. on for qualifying and everything like that. But Mexico roll on; they'll be in the final. Um, what like this seems like an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Like, who are the players that U.S. or Jamaican fans should be most concerned about, or kind of what are the tactical approaches that we might see from Mexico that should be most worrying to the U.S. or Jamaica, uh, whoever gets through? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look, if you go back to uh, the Costa Rica match, and, and I wrote about this uh, after the match, that even, you know, Costa Rica did very well tactically too. They they had a, a very a solid game plan where they didn't press like Haiti did. Like they weren't as relentless with their high press, uh, and they played with one forward as well. But they they were smart about when to press, and they they knew that. And and this is now 
what other what everyone knows is that you know uh, the Mexico wants to build from the back. They will they'll play the short corner, similar to what the United States is trying to do under Greg Berhalter. Uh, Mexico is a little bit more advanced, I feel like, in 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 that uh, in that sense, but. Uh, when, when teams want to build from the back, and I think one of the most important, the key positions are those wingbacks, because that is a, a, a very effective outlet from for the center backs to get those, you know, to play around a little bit in the back with the center back and then find a wing back that's already, that's far upfield um, and, and can progress and advance rapidly. And so Costa Rica, I thought they had a, a very good game plan where they, they tried to limit uh, uh, really just the distribution from center back to wing back. Uh, so both the left fullback and the right fullback for Mexico, Gajardo left, Saka Rodriguez on the right, are guys that are constantly going up the field. And so I think the, the, what I saw was Costa Rica uh, challenging Mexico to play through their midfield, uh, not allowing them to build play and, and easily just advance the ball up the field on the flanks. And and what I, what I think, even though I thought it was effective, you know, credit to Mexico that they they stuck to the game plan. They they didn't lump the ball forward. They kept the ball on the ground, and they were like, okay, if we need to play through the midfield, we'll do that. And it's because they have really technical players in that center midfield. They have Edson Alvarez, who's playing in that holding midfield role, very good on the ball, a converted defender. So if he, when he's on the ball, he knows what to do with it. When he doesn't have the ball, he can tackle like a defender. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, who's, who's been playing very well, you know, very skilled on the ball, can get out of tight spaces. Uh, and, and so I think Jamaica and, and the U.S. will be looking at that um, because if you can limit the flank play from, from Mexico, you, it, it can be an effective strategy. It's not the, it's, it's the end-all strategy, though, because I think they have enough in the middle and even a, ahead of those flank players like a, Uriel Antuna who can come in and, and, and play you know, on that front three and still be a valuable outlet. So it's really the flanks. I think that's, that's always been what, what Tata Martino has wanted to, um, to, to do. He wants his flank players to get high. He wants to attack down, you know, using width. And if a team begins to, to snuff that out, I think he's pretty confident in his midfield that they can, they can play through there as well. Much more still to come from my conversation with Felipe Cardenas, uh, this time about the Copa America. We've kind of wrapped up talking about the Gold Cup, but first I wanted to let you know about today's sponsor, Talisman Caps, our friends over at Talisman Caps. If you're not familiar with Talisman, they're an independent uh, hat-slash-clothing company, uh, apparel company, I should say, uh, based in St. Paul, Minnesota. Talisman offer high-end, quality-made caps to help you support and celebrate the football club or clubs or national team or players that you most enjoy. Uh, they've got U.S. Women's National Team-centric hats available. The Megan Rapinoe hat, uh, the Megan Rapinoe taking a knee with pink hair. It's back in stock, so you can check that one out. But there's Michelle Akers, there's Mia Hamm, there's some other U.S. soccer-centric hats. And, uh, excitingly, they've just launched a new line of vintage-inspired polo shirts uh, for different teams from around the world. Uh, They have like the uh, USA 1994 polo, they've got a Chelsea one, a Tottenham one, Arsenal, Liverpool, uh, lots of different options in there for you to check out. And then they've got curated uh, jerseys as well. Uh, Many, many things Things available at Talisman Caps. I I must say, although they don't have the Man United one, uh, the polos do look pretty great because they've just got kind of got the uh, the Spartan logo and that's it, and then the colors to match. Uh, it's it's a solid look. If you don't want to go like full jersey to support your team this season, maybe these polos uh, are what you should be looking for. And you can be looking for ten percent off uh, using the code Total Soccer Ten at checkout. That gives you ten percent off any item uh, in the store at TalismanCaps.com. And once again, that's Total. 
SOCCER10 at checkout for 10% off. Thank you very much to Talisman Caps for sponsoring today's episode. Now, back to my conversation with Felipe. Let's turn it over to uh, Copa America. Uh, Brazil eliminated Argentina 2-0 last night. Uh, let's go with Argentina to start. They lost to Colombia in the group stage, drew with Paraguay, uh, beat Qatar. They then handled a talented Venezuela side 2-0. But then, like, last night had moments that looked like, oh, yeah, Argentina can find a way through. They could be very good. They could be a dominant team. Then they end up eliminated. How are we grading this overall Argentina performance? Like, if you really were giving it a grade, what would you go with? Oh, <laughs> it's a tough see. one. I know. I know. Grades are hard. Yeah, I know. Grades are hard. I don't. I never liked school or grades. Um, uh, I'll give them. I'm gonna say a B, a B minus. I'm gonna okay. say a B minus. You know, high B minus, close to B, because they they went from they improved. You know, they they got better throughout the tournament. Uh, and 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 I remember the first time I was on this show talking to. You know, talking to you about Copa America, we were wondering what this team was going to do. Like, remember we joked about them being the dark horse because yeah. it's like you, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, what if they end up advancing to the final? That would be quite the story, considering that this is a team that's rebuilding. Uh, and so, I think they went from 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 pretty bad against Colombia uh, to progressively much better. And and last night was you know, some some reports out of Argentina are saying that that was the best game that the national team has played in, in three years. Uh, and, and I think they know that on paper, Brazil man to man was, is just a much better team. Um, but it was a, you know, it's a, it's a super classico. So at, at times, you know, tactics really didn't matter. It was in the first 15, 20 minutes, really the first 45 was like, who's, you know, who's tougher, uh, like who, you know, who's gonna, like, how, how many like forehead to forehead trash talking moments did we see in that, in that first half? And several. So they were up for it. Yeah. Several. They were, Argentina was up for it. Um, and, and I think tactically, I think what, what's important to notice is that remember, you know, Lionel Messi came back to this team, uh, and accepted the responsibility of not only being the captain uh, of Argentina once again, but being the captain of a team that that that's very inexperienced, and uh, you know, I think he grew into that role. I think there was a bit of a, a transformation for him. You know, it, he didn't he didn't carry the team on his back through the group stage. Let's be honest. Like he even he said himself in the mix zone that he had you know before the knockout stage that he he wasn't having a good tournament. And and maybe that was his way of, of of getting into his own teammates' heads and letting them know like how important they are. But you know, it was other guys that were scoring the goals that uh, um, that they were getting the team through. Uh, and so I think you saw Messi as more of a vocal leader, something that no everyone has criticized him for. Uh, you know, when he was the captain in 2014, it was like, why is he the captain? Give it to Macherano. He's like the true captain. I think now he's on the team that of young guys that. Some some of them still idolize him, you know, as as young players, and so he he's his personality changed a bit. And I think last night he had one of those performances, which was you know close to peak Messi. Like really, the only thing that didn't happen had he scored a goal, he had a couple good chances. I think we would be talking about like that was one of his better performances for Argentina. But yeah, I think they I think there there's a little bit of confusion in Argentina because they want to trash this team so bad. You know, they, 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 they have an interim coach that he's criticized for not being a tactician 
and they really did grow throughout the tournament. And now they're going to be co-hosting the next Copa America in 2020. And, and now, now they have big questions to answer, like who's going to lead them? Who will be their coach? Do they stick with this project that, you know, looks like it's going to work? Um, I don't think we'll see Di Maria moving forward, but there are other players that have stepped in and Argentina always has good youth players. And, and there's been no news of Messi retiring after from the national team immediately after this game, because I think he, in my, you know, my gut tells me that he signed on for at least the next Copa America too. I mean, how can Argentina co-host without, without Messi? So uh, I think it's, it's good for them. They, 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 they were building throughout the tournament. They, I think they began to understand how to play with Messi that you know, he walks on the field a lot, but if you watched last night, they were, they finally understood that sometimes when Messi walks out of a midfield pocket, it's it's intentional so that a teammate can run in and get on the ball. And that was starting to happen against Brazil. It wasn't happening earlier. There were still times in the games where guys were just like desperate to get him the ball no matter what. Uh, so, so there was an onus on other players to create and, and, and it looked good. It looked good for them. Can you explain that one more time? Because that's, that's the thing that I, I honestly I think Daryl and I have been critical of him for uh, at times when it mm-hmm. seems like, oh, yeah, he's a little disinterested. He's walking. He doesn't really like want to get involved in the play. So you're saying that that's more of an unintentional tactic on his part. I think it is. I think it's always it always has been. Uh, he and it's easy to criticize any a player that that kind of seems to walk a lot. It's like especially in the midfield, like he does it a lot with with Barcelona, and that, I think that's why Barcelona is so good, and that's why Messi with Barcelona and Messi with Argentina are are so different because with Barcelona that that it, there's a constant fluid movement from midfield to attack. The midfielders are always creating space for each other, and and I remember specifically last night. Uh, where he, I, I caught him kind of like walking, right? And while while his team was was building play, uh, and Casemiro was just like on him though. Like Casemiro had his eye, at least one eye on Messi the entire time. And Messi knows this. Messi probably could feel him breathing on his neck at times. And so he just kind of casually walked, uh, you know, towards the center circle. Like Messi was kind of in that half space between uh, Brazil's box in the, in the center circle. And he just kind of started to walk casually, uh, towards the ball, right. Towards where I think it was Paredes who's there, the holding midfielder had the ball. He, he kind of just walked towards him and behind him. Um, it was, I think it was Gustavo de Paulo just kind of made a run behind him and was open and he got the ball. Like mm. it was, it was, it, it worked. It was something that worked. And as soon as Messi realized that his teammate had made that run, he kind of spun, and, and got into position as well. He didn't. He wasn't involved in that play on the ball, but it looked like something that they were starting to understand that was rehearsed, that was talked about. Uh, and, and so for me, that is a sign that this version of Argentina, you know, the much maligned Argentina was starting to gel. Teammates were starting to understand what, what, you know, what Messi does when he doesn't have the ball, because that's, that's some of the, that is some of the peak Messi when he doesn't have the ball. What is he doing? What is he thinking? Um, and, and, and it start you could see signs of that last night. All right. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on, on uh, Haiti and Argentina, two equally powerful upstart soccer nations, I think, uh, going forward. Uh, just kidding. But turning to Brazil, <laughs> uh, who uh, in that 2-0 victory did you find most impressive? I'll give it to Gabriel Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think he, he, again, another player that uh, can, can at, at times is, a, is the second choice 
uh, striker for Brazil. You know, Tite tends to lean on Firmino. And I think, you know, Gabriel Jesus gives you a little bit more than, than Firmino. Firmino is, is so good with back to goal and combining and, uh, he's so smart in the box, right? He's, he doesn't always score. Sometimes he's the provider, but Gabriel Jesus to me is, is, is a little braver. He's, he's more forward thinking. Uh, he, he, he's faster, you know, he's a guy that wants to, to go one-on-one with guys. Uh, he wants the ball at his feet, um, and and he can face a guy up and, and take him on. And, and and some of the similar qualities I just mentioned about Firmino, I think Gabriel Jesus has as well. He can obviously he's learned a lot playing with under Pep. That yeah, strikers do more than just score; they need to combine, they need to drop into the midfield. So, and that second goal was just you know what can you say? Yeah. I mean, he he a counterattack, and he just outmuscled, outran. Um, the, the you know struggling Argentina defense that in my in my opinion going back to Argentina quickly that that is where they need the most help is yeah. that is that back four yeah and and Gabriel Jesus as if he knew that that he knew what he had in front of him he knew he could take them on and and just you know what a goal so a big goal too I think that put the game away uh, and he play he looked like a player that had a lot of confidence. Yeah, no arguments here uh, about anything you've just said because, yeah, watching that one again this morning and just seeing, like, I think Foyth it is who thinks the play is dead. Mm -hmm. And so he stops, then he has to chase back, but he's never going to catch up. And then maybe it's Petzela who also tries to make a play in camp, but it's basically, yeah, Jesus just outworks out muscles three different players, but then still has, like, the skill and awareness to cut back and find Firmino for the tap in. Uh, Yeah, I think I'm with you. I really enjoyed Gabriel Jesus. Um, One, I, I guess, question for me has always been around the Brazilian uh, defense, and it's kind of a very familiar Brazilian defense to us. uh, Dani Alves, Thiago Silva, Alexandro Marquinhos. Um, Is that an area of vulnerability, do you think, for whomever they might meet in the final, or have you enjoyed what you've seen from their defense so far? I think the center back pairing is solid. Uh, Marquinhos, I'm not sure if he's, I mean, he he came off the field yesterday injured, not sure what what the injury looks like, if he'll be ready for the final, but uh, you know that, that, that even Thiago Silva still is a guy that that commands a lot of respect. Uh, you know the, the the fullbacks still seem like uh, that that is where Brazil moving forward is going to have to make some decisions. Uh, you know, going back to who impressed. You know, you, you could obviously argue that Dani Alves last night was very impressive. Like, what is he like, fifty two years old? I'm not sure, but um, he's <laughs> he he played like. You know the guy that we've seen for, from Barcelona, the the, guy, the 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 crucial piece of Barcelona's puzzle that they let go on a free. The guy that understands Messi, you know, through and through. Uh, just a, a, a solid quality, exceptional player. Um, and, and he he was part of the first goal. He had a, a no look pass and build up on the that build up of that goal. Just like such a like such an arrogant player. And I mean that in, in the best way as a compliment. So he, he gives that team a lot of attitude that I, that I think that they haven't had in a while. Uh, I think for so long it's been Neymar and like what he brings, but I, you know, I just don't think Neymar can give you the same type of bite and, and authority that a player like Danny Alves can. And so, and then on the left side, I'm not sure that's definitely the question mark. And to go back to your question, that could be the weak link, you know, is it Felipe Luis or is it Alexandro? Mm -hmm. Uh, It seems to be, I think last night, uh, Tite went with Alexandro because, you know, the guy can really get up and down the field. 
Uh, he, he can cover space much quicker, much quicker than, than Felipe Luis can. I think Felipe Luis gives you more possession. Uh, he, he, a lot smarter on the ball. He can get forward, but when he's getting forward, it's not necessarily as a threat. It's just kind of part of, of buildup and, and keeping the ball and, uh, you know, Alexander is much more of a vertical player, but if he needs to sit back, you know, he's going to catch up and, 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 and possibly outrun, um, anyone that's on his side. So, yeah, I think that is, that is the question mark. The the good thing for Brazil though, is that their goalkeeper is very, very good. You know, Allison is, you know, he, he was considered one of the best goalkeepers in the world this year. And uh, he he looks the part, you know. He really does. It's 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 rare for Brazil to have a goalkeeper of, of that caliber. Um, and it looks like he's going to be the goalkeeper for Brazil for many many years. And so they're gonna they they know they have that foundation as well. Uh, it's just Tite deciding, you know, what is the matchup for me on on the flanks, uh, and and how how much freedom do I give a player like Danny Alves because you know he he is a player that can get exposed if he's too high. I have a slightly strange question uh, that I hope makes sense. But watching the the game last night, like it's it's stereotypical, I guess, to say like it's very physical. There's a lot of like passion or whatever when it comes to Copa America. But like it does seem as though like a leg can be broken at any moment, especially in Brazil, Argentina. Maybe that's maybe that's like a specific case. But I guess my question is yeah. not so much like why is that the case because I just think it kind of is more so. How big of a role is like managing? temper in taking over a national team like in the Copa America for example that like like is it is it like getting tactics right but also being able to know like okay he's like just intense enough versus oh he's too intense and he's about to get a red card like do you think that that factors into it or is that fairly standard across any national team manager I think that's fairly standard across okay. all national team managers in South America but I'm really glad you oh, asked okay. this question because it's actually in my notes that you know there's it's it's a bit of Twitter fodder, but you know there's been tweets about Gold Cup being better than Cup America, like funner, like more entertaining to watch. Uh, and and I can see that, I can understand. Like the, the, you know, Costa Rica, Mexico was full tilt, very entertaining. Uh, you know, even last night's game against Haiti was was edge of your seat type of an edge of your seat type of game. Like you're you're wondering, oh my gosh, are they going to knock out Mexico? Um, and, and it's true that some of the game Copa America games have not been like that. And I think for me, I'm not surprised, you know, that welcome to South American football, you know, the welcome to world cup qualifying. Mm. That's the type of games that we see. That's why it's the, the toughest region to qualify out of for, for the world cup, because despite all the quality in these nations and these teams and these starting 11s, Hamas, Messi, Gabriel Jesus, Neymar, like go on and on. Alexis, like, Cavani, Suarez, it's like no other region really. I mean, if it has that, that caliber of player across the national teams. But I think what that does is that it, it, it changes the way def- teams defend those, t- those creative players. It, it's just, it is an all out. It can be very physical because it's one of the only ways to nullify that type of game. You know, Colombia was eliminated by Chile because Chile just manned up. And, and they knew that they were facing a team in Colombia that wants to play. You know, they want the ball. They want to play. They want to possess, uh, possess with, with, with authority, right? Like get forward, but get forward by keeping the ball. Uh, and if you can 
you know, end that type of strategy and, and keep the ball away and may, turn it into a bit of more of a physical battle and a mental game, well, then you've won half the battle. And, and that's what we're seeing a lot in, in, in Copa America. You know, teams like Peru that know, okay, Uruguay is a favorite. Uh, Peru is well-respected because of their technical ability, but they, they probably were fully prepared to get to penalty kicks. They're like, that, that is one of the only ways that they knew they had a chance to beat Uruguay. Uh, and, and they did it. They, they held firm. They, they played hard. They, they, they didn't allow themselves to get wrapped up in, in some of the mind games, uh, the mental games of, of that Uruguay loves to play. And then they eliminated them in penalties. Colombia, a favorite, the, the most consistent team coming in, uh, a team that had literally two good squads that they could choose from uh, that, that danced around Paraguay, to be honest with you, and, and with their second team in, in, in the final group stage game. Then they faced the two-time defending champion that we talked about it on the show Taylor. Like, what's up with Chile? Like, what, you know, are, are they done? And mm. they completely owned Colombia, and their their Colombian coach outcoached Kados, and the players. And this is what we say a lot in South America. That the term is sangre, which is blood, literally translates to blood. Mm-hmm. I would say that in in the states, it's guts. You know, it's like that. That do you have the guts? Who's the team that has that? extra edge uh, and it was chile they were they were obviously in colombia's head and did you see how they took their pks i mean they were just slamming yep. the ball into the roof of the net mm-hmm. take like upper 90 authority and colombia's were like barely going in and it was just mind games and that is what a champion does and that and, and that's what south american football is there there's an upper upper echelon and, and a club that is still consists of Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay. And I'll get, obviously you have to put Chile there because the defending champions. Teams like Colombia, teams like Peru, they're just not there yet. Like they, it's, they can't break the ceiling and get there. And, and, and some of it is just like that mental fortitude that these classic historical teams still have. So I agree with pretty much everything you said. My one question, though, then, is when you talk about, like, how you're right, like, pretty much every South American team has at least, like, one or two players where you're like, ah, oh, but you can't really count them out because playing at home with those two guys, uh, they could, like, they could be difficult. And you see that a lot with, like, Ecuador specifically, Peru as well. Mm-hmm. My one team that I still always go back to, like, I feel like they're the easy team to make fun of when it comes to South America, is Bolivia. And there was <laughs> there was a time where it was, like, Marco Echeverri and, and, like, he could, like, the ball had eyes. He can find anyone on the field at any, at any given moment. What explains Bolivia's kind of lack of progress when it comes to uh, their national team? Because, I mean, looking at their current squad now, I pulled it up while you were talking. And it's I, I was wondering, like, am I wrong? Like, maybe they do have somebody and I'm forgetting about. But, like, pretty much that entire squad is based in Bolivia. Yeah, uh, I think their central striker plays in China. Yep. Pretty sure he plays in China. So, and he's you know he's he's the man, but he's not Marco Echeverri. I think Marco Echeverri could probably still play for Bolivia, to be honest. But <laughs> they they will always struggle. It's they 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 are a you know this is like we go back to like infrastructure, you know, and and development, uh, and that's why you see a country like Venezuela starting to rise above a, a team like Bolivia. Those are the two like bottom dwellers of South American football that consistently battle with each other, who will finish last in World Cup qualifying. And now you see Venezuela that despite you know, probably 
plenty of infrastructure issues that Rafael Dudamel, when I asked him about um, even MLS allowing Venezuelan players to to develop, he asked, you know, his like, uh, you know, what was the importance of MLS right now? His answer was, you know, we in Venezuela, we just don't have the infrastructure that, you know, European nations or even uh, other countries in the U.S. have. But we have we have a generation now. We have players, young players that are able to leave Venezuela. You know, they're not traditionally a team that exports players um, to, to, to very many countries or at least top leagues. And now they have, you know, several in, 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 in Italy and in Europe and in, in England um, and plenty in MLS. And so now MLS is one of those leagues that is, is allowing good Venezuelan players uh, to play at a higher level. You know, Bolivia just, they're just not there yet. You know, they, they, they aren't there yet. I don't know when or if they ever will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, the one thing that they have and that they'll always have is playing in La Paz for World Cup qualifying and hoping to get results at, at you know, I think, what is it, over three, 6,000 feet of uh-huh. altitude, something crazy like that. Uh, so, and, and, and that's always been an issue. It's always been a way to level the playing field. Um, and, but as far as development goes and exporting players, I think that one of their, their goalkeeper got to Boca juniors early this year, but the, the, the deal fell through and he ended up not playing. Uh, and so that was big for them. But other than that, you know, there's, there's really not much there. Well, I, I assume that you knew you were going to be talking about Bolivia coming into this show, but, uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised <laughs> that, you know, uh, you know, you know enough to be able to answer that question and, uh, help me understand better why Bolivia don't have Marco Echeverri's everywhere. So thank you for that. Final question. Uh, we're recording this before the other semifinal, uh, Peru Chile tonight. Um, with everything we've just talked about, what are you expecting from that fixture? I'm expecting Chile to to get through, um, and it, the 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 thing is that it this is for for the listeners that don't know this is a huge rivalry match. It is called the Pacific Derby in Spanish, El Clasico del Pacifico. Uh, these countries, I I don't like to to talk about hatred very much, but these teams do not like each other, and so I think that makes for a very juicy matchup uh historically these teams do not get along and and uh, i think the fact that they're meeting in a semifinal just is is great drama but going back to what i said about um chile i think they they know who they are now you know they they've realized that they are a championship team a a, a two-time copa america champion uh that, that that's that has a very good tactician on their on their touchline uh, and that'll that'll prove, I think, that'll give them the edge tonight against Peru. I think it'll be it could be an even match, though. I mean, Peru is not a bad team. We can say the same thing about their touchline manager uh, Ricardo Gareca, very good, very well respected. Um, but I, I still think that Peru kind of backed into this situation. Uh, a, a tremendous result against Uruguay, but very inconsistent in group play. Uh, and and they're kind of one of those teams where you, you're not sure. You always know you're going to get very skilled technical players, um, but can they can they withstand defensively? Which is the big question mark for them. And and and, and I don't think Chile what they did against Colombia. Uh, they they press high. They 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 did bunker a little bit. Um, I don't think they'll do that against Peru. I think Peru, they're going to come out and 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 press them and really get after them. 
uh, and try to put them away early. I think I think Chile will be will go through. The, the funny things that are coming out of South America this morning is that no matter who wins Chile, Peru, they're going to have a tough time beating uh, Brazil if there's no VAR. So. All right. All right. I, I like that narrative. Well, why don't we? Uh, I think we're we're planning to have you back on Friday, right? Does that still work for you? That works. Yeah. All right. Sweet. So we'll have Felipe back on to review uh, Peru Chile, the uh, the the juicy potentially physical encounter uh, this evening, mm-hmm. uh, and then also maybe uh, looking ahead to the Copa America final, doing a quick preview there as well on Friday. Yeah, and uh, obviously, don't forget Gold Cup final on Sunday. Yep. It's it, how many finals are there on Sunday? Like, what are we going to do? But regardless, yeah, there yeah. is a there is a Gold Cup final in Chicago. Uh, early reports saying that Soldier Field has sold out. Yep. Uh, obviously, Mexico coming through yep. helps. At one point last <laughs> night, at one point last night, I was like, I think I need to start concepting on Haiti stories because I, <laughs> I honestly was not sure. I was concerned because my flights are booked. So. Uh, but yeah, Mexico's through, and so that that obviously will will help attendance figures dramatically. Beautiful. All right. Well, Felipe, thank you so much, Felipe Cardenas. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, look forward to your. Uh, you've got a uh, Tata article coming out soon, right? Yeah, I, I just I followed a piece this morning on on just the dynamics of, of Tata Martino's early relationship with the Mexican media. So look out for that on the Athletic Soccer. All right. Looking forward to it, Felipe. Thank you again for taking all the time to explain all the soccer. All right. Take care, man.